All right, thank you this morning, church, for the great worship and praise. You know, I love that song, Let Everything That Has Breath Praise the Lord. And uh, certainly we ought to be a part of that as a part of His redeemed and His church. Uh, We ought to be the loudest voices in the choir when we sing praises to our Lord. You know, this morning, uh, really praying about the next several messages that uh, uh, really... uh, trying to find what God's plan was for our services. And believe it or not, sometimes as pastors, you struggle with uh, what uh, God wants you to share and the uh, content of the messages and things. And so this is one of those times of really reaching out to the Lord. Not that I don't always do that, but this was one of those uh, times of uh, really seeking Him and um, what He was... um, what he had plans for Garrison Baptist Church. And I began to think about um, how that God calls to us and uh, how, how many voices in our life that call out to us. You know, we all know what the ring of our phone sounds like when somebody's calling us. And uh, maybe some of you got some customized ringtones for when certain people call you, that uh, it rings a certain way, and so you immediately know who that person is on the line. And you can prepare your minds for that conversation. Uh, you know, I think about as a, as a young boy when ma- mom used to call us to eat. One of my favorite calls of the day was when she would call out and say, it's supper time. Uh, one of the worst calls that she ever gave us was in the morning time. She says it's time to get up. Uh, and uh, so we get all kinds of calls. I know uh, one of my favorite calls in life today is when Jackie calls me. Not on the phone, but she calls out my name. I know that I'm in store for something really important. Uh, right? You husband say amen. Because uh, it is important when your wife calls out to you. And so I'm really expecting something really great. And uh, I'm hardly ever disappointed about that. But um, So we all get certain kind of calls. You know, God calls out to us as believers. One of the calls that He gives to us is... The call to surrender to Him. Uh, In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's a call of surrender that we depend on Him. And uh, He calls us to service as He did in Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel. And He said, Come after me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. You know, there's also a call in Scripture to seek Him. I remember when Andrew and a friend were out one day walking and John the Baptist pointed them to Jesus and they, uh, John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Andrew went on to approach Jesus and Jesus said to him, Come and see. Come and see. Call to seek Him and call to understand Him. Peter talks about a call that we don't always enjoy, and that's a call to suffer. Sometimes in Scripture, God calls His children to suffer for His sake, for His glory. But this morning, I want to share with you a message that really it's where all of our call begins, and it's a call to salvation. That God has called you at one point in your life, if you're a believer, to be saved, to believe on Him and His work on the cross. And he continues to call out to the world today, come to him and be saved. Come to him and 
know uh, what it is to have a relationship with Him. He calls out to the church and He calls us into a participation with Him to get that message out. and To share with the world. Our Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and into the ends of the earth. That we're to be a part of that, that call of salvation to a lost world today. What a great challenge. What a great way to spend our life. Or let me say invest our life in the kingdom of God. Is being a part and participating with Christ. And that issuing that call of salvation to a lost world. In John chapter 7. Jesus is standing and he's making this call to salvation. And you'll, you'll find it in beginning of verse 37. John chapter 7. And listen to what he says. He says, on the last day of that great day, the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he had spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was and so there was a division among the people because of him now some of them wanted to take him but no one laid hands on him bow with me if you would this morning and let's pray together father thank you today for the understanding of scripture for the presence in your word of the call that you give to a world that needs to come to you and believe. To uh, people who are separated and have lost connection with you. Your call is to come and to, to know me and believe in me and trust in me. Have eternal life. Father, thank you for that kind of call. Father, thank you for many here this morning that have accepted that, believe in you. And Father, for those who need to respond to the call. Father, I just pray this morning that you'll help us to understand and be encouraged by the passage of Scripture that we're looking at this morning. Lord, we ask it and pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you think about that call to salvation, you know, a lot of calls that we get, we uh, don't necessarily even pick up or answer. Uh, I've really found a great piece of, uh, or an app or a piece of software for my phone anymore. And when I get a call, I can look at it and it says high likelihood of spam. And so immediately I just refuse to answer that call because I know it's probably going to be someone who's trying to trick me into something that I don't want to get involved in. And so immediately I can reject that call or not answer that call. And so it's it's helpful in the screening part of it. 
Uh, and then there's other calls that we immediately see that we gladly answer and we're excited about hearing from those. And so it's really a great thing. Well, let me just say to you this morning that this call from Jesus Christ is one of those that you don't want to reject, but that you want to answer and you want to hear. As a matter of fact, as a believer, it's a call that we can continue to rejoice in, that we can continue uh, to think about, uh, and that always gives us encouragement in our, our walk and our life relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, let's look at some things about this call that Jesus gives us in John's gospel, or John writes about. First of all, if you look at verse 37, I, th- I think that we see the reason for salvation's call. Is that, the, that, that God called us for a reason. How many of have you ever, maybe you've accidentally dialed somebody for no reason. You ever get them on the line and say, oh, I'm sorry, just uh, didn't mean to dial you, but it just happened. Uh, but for the most part, when we're calling somebody, we're calling them for a reason. Because if we didn't have a reason, we'd just text them, right? I, I mean, some, some of you can't. No, when we call somebody, we, we call them for a reason. We have something we want to, to connect with them about that's important. And so we give them a call. You see, Jesus Christ gives us a call, a call to salvation because it's important. Because it has eternal value. Because there's nothing that can equal that call of salvation to someone's life. Uh, there's nothing that parallels the importance of Christ's call to us when it comes to Him saying to us, you must be saved. And so here's some of the reasons that we, uh, we, we need this call. First of all, if you look at verse 37, He says, and He's talking about on this day of the feast that Jesus stood up, and He cried out, listen, Jesus, the, the word that Scripture uses here for cry isn't, isn't a, a, a muffled sound. It's an extremely loud cry. It's almost like a cry of distress or despair. It's a loud cry. And so above the crowd, Jesus' voice could be heard when he said these things that he's, he's saying. He says, you, you, um, he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So in a loud voice, Jesus cries out to this crowd that's gathered for this feast. And he says, listen, if you're thirsty, come to me. You see, one of the reasons that we're called to salvation is because that we're really, we're hopeless. Now you say, Brother Mike, why do you have to be so negative? I'm not, I don't want to be negative, I want to be honest. And outside of Jesus Christ, life is hopeless. I mean, there's no reason for it. Uh, there's no uh, value or no excitement about it. Uh, and so when we're separated or when we're not connected to God, life has a tendency to be hopeless. And so Jesus reminds us, if anyone thirsts, Jesus spoke and he still speaks to people today. He still makes this call that there's something that you need that I can provide. That there's something that you don't have that you desperately need that only I can provide for you. That's his call. That was his call to us uh, that, to, to, who believe in him. And that's his call to everyone that you're missing something and that you're not connected to something. And because of it, that there's, there's this, this missing piece of your life. And so he reminds us of that very thing. Without Jesus, we're left without the only thing that, we, that can really satisfy our lives. We don't have it. Now look, we, we look around at the world and we know as, as uh, uh, the church that we can look around and see a world that's 
frantically searching for things to fill what's missing in their life that only God can do. And it doesn't matter how much you pile in that hole in your life that, that nothing can fill it up. That there's always that longing and that need or that, that sense of something absent in someone's life until it's filled by the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea of thirsting and being thirsty was something that, that these guys knew a lot about. The place that they lived in the world was arid and dry. And they knew what it was like to be thirsty. And they knew what it was when their thirst was quenched. How satisfying it was. And so Jesus is reminding them that, listen, just like that physical thirst that you have, there's a spiritual thirst that you have that God created in you that only He can satisfy. That only He can feel for you. And so to try to do that with anything else is what He's saying is really a hopeless effort. So Jesus calls us to the only thing that can satisfy us, and that's Him. Because without Him, things are kind of hopeless. Well, another thing that also that uh, uh, comes from not having a relationship with Him is not only does that call go out because we're hopeless, but also because we're helpless to do anything about it. Uh, he goes on to say, if anyone thirsts, what does He say? He says, let him come to me and drink. Jesus says, come to me uh, and, and you'll, you'll be satisfied uh, the feast that Jesus mentioned in Scripture was the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was a time that Israel looked back in their history to the, their wandering in the wilderness. And what it was is that during this seven-day period that they would cut limbs and branches and, and out in their yard they'd build these little booths or little huts and they'd live in those, play, in, in those little huts for a week. Uh, and it was a reminder that, that in their wondering that God was there to supply all their needs. That in all the time that they wandered in the wilderness, Israel was fed by God. Manna kept coming every day. Israel would go out, except Sabbath. <laughs> it would come and, and they'd gather uh, and they would eat and they would be sustained. Uh, it must have reminded them about the time when Moses and they were needing water and Moses reaches out and he strikes the rock and out of the rock what comes water. And so as they're reflecting on the faithfulness of God and God's supply for them, in the middle of that fall, think about it just for a minute. Our, you know, they're, they're celebrating this whole week of God's supplies. God is good. He's sufficient for us. He meets every need we have. And all of a sudden, Jesus Christ stands up and says, hey, come to me. Come to me. And, 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 and I will give you something to drink. I'll, I'll satisfy your thirst. The last day of the feast was focused on the nation of Israel. And, and it was intensely important to them. And this was the day that Jesus stood up and made this announcement. It, it was a day where they offered a sacrifice for Israel as a nation. It was a day when the priests would march around the altar seven times. And as they marched around the altar seven times, they, they would be, I want to say singing or saying, uh, a passage of Scripture from Psalms 118 verse 25. And Psalms 118 verse 25 says this. Here's what they would be saying as they marched around the altar. 
Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. So Israel as a nation was crying out to God, God, save us and prosper us. And Jesus Christ was standing up and he was saying, if you're thirsty, come and I'll satisfy that thirst. You see, he is the only one that can save our soul and prosper our soul and meet that need that we have because we're helpless to do it on our own. We need to answer that call of salvation. The reason is because we can't do it ourselves and because God wants to do it in us and for us. Look a little bit further in this passage. Because in God's call, not only does He give a reason, He says, You're thirsty, come to me. But also, if you look a little further, He gives us the response to salvation's call. How should we respond, you know, to that very call that God gives us? First of all, uh, if you look with me at verses 38 through 39, in verse 38, it's a conditional response that God calls for. What does he say? He says, he who believes in me. Jesus says that, 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 that he is the object of our salvation. That we believe in Him. Salvation is always by faith. Scripture says in the book of Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please Him. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and in, in the very heart of the letter to Ephesus, he's talking about salvation. And he's saying to the church, here's the way of salvation. And he says to them, here's your experience. And he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith. And so... Jesus is reminding them that, hey, listen, this salvation is through me. Jesus would come later on in the Gospel of John to two broken-hearted sisters that A.J. talked about, Martha and Mary, this morning. And he would give them comfort because their brother had died. And he would stand by the grave of Lazarus and minister to the sisters these words of comfort. And he would say... That he is the life and the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. He, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That's the comfort that we have. The, the condition for receiving this gift of salvation is faith. Faith in the person of Jesus Christ. But you know, it's, it's even a certain kind of faith. Look a little bit further because uh, it, it has a, a correct response along with it. Jesus says, he who believes in me as the scripture said. You know, the idea is that we believe in him with a genuine kind of faith. A faith that's more and A faith that's genuine in the person of Jesus Christ. When we begin to think about that very thing, faith must be in God and how He reveals Himself, right? And what He's done for us and how He reveals what He's done for us. See, we can have, there's a lot of gods that are being worshipped in the world today. And we can have faith in a lot of different things. 
We can have faith in a God who's not biblical or a God who's not real, but who's false. You know, the Bible in the scripture, God reveals himself as he is. And what he calls us to do is to believe that. Not to change who he is or modify who he is or add to who he is, but to accept him as he is and as he reveals himself. The true and the living God. Scripture calls us in our our response of faith to believe in Jesus Christ for what he's done for us and how he reveals what he's done for us. Now, we can look at salvation and say, I believe that, that Jesus Christ died for me and it's his death alone that pays for my sin or pardons my sin. Or we can say, well, I, I look at the scripture and, and I accept Jesus Christ's death on the cross for me. But you know what? I also think I probably need to be a part of, the, I, I need to, to uh, uh, be a part of a religious group or I need to be, Um, I need to do this act or I need to do that. And so we begin to add to the message of the cross or of salvation. And and so when we begin to step away from that, that's not a right response. It's not Jesus plus other things. It's Jesus Christ alone. And it's faith alone in Jesus Christ. And so we accept him that way. Any other way is a perversion of the gospel. And so Jesus is calling us to believe in him and to believe in his substitutional death on the cross for us. Makes sense. Simple, isn't it? Well, I hope it is. So there's the condition, him. Uh, The right way is him and him only. Nothing else to believe in him and him alone. You know, it's what... The Bible really describes as a saving kind of faith. You know, I begin to think about uh, what does that look like as I begin to work through this passage of Scripture. What does that kind of faith look like? And I thought immediately about the prodigal son. You know about him? You know about that guy who went to his father and asked his father for his inheritance and he took his inheritance and he went out, he wasted it and lost all that he had and began to live uh, in, in opposition to everything his father had taught him. Uh, once he lost all that he had, the Bible says that he began to think about what was going on, about his father's house, and, and he began to think about uh, where he was uh, in that particular time in his life. And the Bible says he came to his senses. And he got up from where he was and he went back to his father's house. You see, that's, that's a word that we use in the Bible called repentance. You you see, faith leads us to repent. And there's always evidence of repentance. You you see, if you think about his life, there's some things that really indicate or show us about what real faith is like. First of all, real faith brings about a radical change. Listen, you can't have genuine faith in Jesus Christ without there being... A, a, a radical change in your life. Things can't be the same when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior than what they used to be. I'm not saying we're perfect, but what I'm saying is we better become different. 
You know, the Bible, the, the son in the prodigal son story said this. He said, I'll arise and go to my father's house and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You see, here's an arrogant, prideful son that went to his dad, insulted him, asked for his inheritance, and went off and wasted it. Now, all of a sudden, he's changed. He's changed. Now he's a humble son coming back to the father, yielding to his authority in his life and, and willing to take whatever's available. That's a change. You see, for, for someone to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and really not exhibit change and really have to question that kind of faith. There's radical change. In, in, in any experience that Jesus Christ had with anyone, there was change in, in their life. Uh, another thing about real faith also, not, not only is there this change, but, but there's resolute commitment to Jesus Christ. There, there's a deep sense of commitment. This same son said that, and he arose and went to his father. In other words, what he wasn't committed to, now he commits himself to his father. So for the believer today, that, that when we really trust in Jesus Christ, there's going to be a sense of, of commitment to him, to what he stands for, to what he's teaching us in the word of God, to his cause in his kingdom in this world we're going to be committed to sharing this message of salvation there's a commitment to serving him in the body of christ there's a commitment to using the gifts of the spirit to serve in the kingdom of god there's just commitment to someone who really has faith in jesus christ a real kind of faith well not only Change in commitment. But you see, coming with that faith in Christ, there's a real clarity in life. Now this young man, when he, when he began to consider where he was at, the Bible says, but when he had come, came to himself. In other words, he began to see things really clear. Do you know what he found out or what he thought about or what he come to the understanding of? He says that even the hired servants in my father's house, you can look all this up in Luke 15, but he said even the hired servants in my father's house had it, have it better than I do. He, his, his vision really got clear on what was important, on, on who he should depend on, on who he ought to put his trust in. You see, for the believer who really has faith in Jesus Christ, really things become pretty clear that He's the one that we trust. That He's the one that gives us guidance and direction in our life. And all of a sudden, the complicated things of life really begin to, bottom line, have clarity. You know, a lot, uh, many, many years ago, there was a kind of a movement saying, uh, bracelets, the whole nine yards, T-shirts, that really kind of boiled decision-making down to one thing, one question. And that was, what would Jesus do? And so in, in, in simplicity, that very thing, you know, Jesus brings clarity to our life. 
if we trust Him with a genuine kind of faith. You see, He'll change our life. He'll, he'll call for us to be committed to Him. There'll be clarity in our life, but there's one other thing. There'll be rejoicing and celebration. Because you see, once this young man came back to the father's house, the Bible says the father's response was like this. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's now found. And what do they do? They begin to celebrate and rejoice. You see, for a believer who has real faith in Jesus Christ, it's really kind of a continual life of rejoicing and celebration. Right? Because in Christ, if we truly trust in Him, the Bible says that we're more than conquerors. That we're more than overcomers. That faith is our victory. And we live in this continual sense of of, of overcoming in Jesus Christ. It really ought to lead us to celebration. And you say, well, Brother Mikey, tomorrow's Monday. What's good about Monday? Well, if you wake up to it, you're alive. That ought to be a celebration. If nothing else, just take a minute before you get out of bed, before you even try to move, by the way, and just say, Lord, I thank you that, that today I'm alive. And that today, as I walk with you, I'll walk in victory. And celebrate that relationship. You see, all those things are evidence of that we have a real faith in Jesus Christ. And those things are, are evidences of that very thing. And so, really, when we think about it, there's that right faith that we respond to Him with. But also, if you look at verses 38 to 39, the end of 38, that it's a, it's a confident response. In other words, we can have confidence in it. What, what does he say in, verse, in the end of verse 39? He says, as, as the Scripture said, out of this heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John explains what Jesus is saying in verse 39. He says, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now listen, in our day, Jesus has been glorified and the Holy Spirit has been given. So when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we can be confident because the Spirit of God lives in us. He lives in us. And now all of a sudden, this response to, to the salvation's call radically changes our life. Because now we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, our strength. Christ in us, our our future. Through His Holy Spirit. Pretty amazing, isn't it? When we think about that call and response to that call. It's a confident response. And our confidence comes from the Spirit of God who lives in us. When you think about the work of the Holy Spirit and His great power and to think that He lives in you, the Bible says He dwells in you, is to understand that the resources of God is living in each of us and the hope that we have in Him. Well, last thing I want to share with you about this passage is what's the reaction to salvation's call? Uh, right? Uh, well, if you look at verses 40 and 41, some believed. Therefore, many 
from the crowd when they heard this saying said, Truly this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. So many of them believed. They said, Hey, this is him. I mean, this, this, this thing that he's asking me to do, it's real. And, and what I need to do is respond to him in faith. And so many of them believed. I don't know how many was there at the crowd. I don't know where Jesus was standing when he gave that shout. But I'm sure it was probably in a pretty public place. But, but yet, just like today, when that call for salvation goes out, some respond and some believe and some trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, isn't that the excitement and the hope of the church today? That, that, that if, you know, the Bible says if one sinner repents, that all of heaven rejoices. Now listen, if that kind of celebration is set off in heaven, then when we see as a church family or as individual believers someone come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, we ought to celebrate because some believe. Well, but not all believe. If you look at verses, the end of our, or the middle of verse 41, the end of verse 41 through verse 43, some doubted. They didn't believe it, they doubted. It says, uh, but, but some said, will the Christ come from Galilee? In other words, they knew that Jesus lived in Galilee. And they said, well, listen, won't the Christ uh, come? He won't come from Galilee. He's a descendant of David. He'll be born of Bethlehem. Well, what the doubters didn't know, they didn't have the whole story. They didn't know the whole thing. And so verse 42 says, Is is it not the Scripture said that the Christ will come from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? They had that part right. But they didn't have the whole truth. So what happened? They began to doubt. You you see, for you and I today, that that ought to encourage us or compel us to continue to share time and time again because the world needs to know the full truth about Jesus Christ. And so you and I can share with them. And so some doubted. They didn't believe on Jesus Christ because some doubted. But then in verse 44, some hated. Some hated. In verse 44, some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. You see, the idea that in Jesus' day, they wanted to take him to kill him. They wanted to take him to put him to death. That they, they wanted to take him to express the ultimate rejection that, that, that humanity could, and that's to take the life of Jesus Christ. The Bible says no one laid hands on him because it wasn't his time. But really, isn't that really the reaction of the world today? That as the gospel goes out, some believe, some continue to doubt, but then some have a passion and hate for Christ and Christianity. We see it in our world today. We talked about it this morning in our Sunday school class. How in the world that we live in today, even in America today, land of the free, founded on Christian values, founded on the Word of God, and on men and women who believed mightily in God and what He could do. But yet today we find ourselves in a nation that rapidly is moving away and moving toward hating the church, Christ, Christians, opposing anything that has to do 
for the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet, that call is still going out today. And God is calling people to Himself. And what He's saying to this generation is if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me. If anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Bow with me if you wouldn't. Let's pray.